Welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. This is Pastor Plex. I'm Chris Pleckenpole, and I am so glad to have in studio with me my amazing and beautiful wife, Adrian Pleckenpole. Welcome, Adrian. Hi. Uh, we talked about uh, the wrath of God, and specifically the wrath of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 6 uh, this past week uh, in the sermon. And I'm just curious, just from a, a lay person's perspective, um, how did, how did you receive that? Like when you hear wrath of the lamb, does that freak you out or, you know, where do you go with that? You know, I was a little, I was kind of excited to see what was going to come of the sermon. I think that in, with the temperature of our culture right now, I was, I've been a little more sensitive to the fact that God does, is a God of wrath. He has wrath to shower on people that don't know him someday. And I think that's been something more on the forefront of my mind. So I was excited to hear quite a bit of detail this past week. Yeah. So there's before we get into the questions, there's a couple of things on the wrath of God that I, I really felt like I needed to um, bring up. <clears throat> uh, specifically... Um, when Jesus went to the cross, he took on the wrath of God. He satisfied the wrath of God. And so the, the reason why I'm bringing this up, it, it, as you'll see, is it's going it's to be alluded to in a question here. But if Jesus doesn't take the wrath of God, and there's still more wrath for Jesus to take for believers, then he didn't really satisfy the wrath of God. He, he wasn't a propitiation for our sins, and and so this so it gets into several different aspects. Um, back in two thousand and six, I think it was, whenever Katrina hit, I remember several pastors, uh, televangelist type people, saying, "This is the wrath of God, God's judgment on America." When different people got elected, I heard this was God's wrath and God's judgment on America, um, and. What that would seem to say is that America has some special relationship with God as a country, as a whole, right, um, that the rest of the world did not. Now, in the Old Testament, God did judge the nations. I mean, um, not only did God judge Israel, God judged uh, all the surrounding peoples, Moab, uh, the Ammonites, you know, he, he judged them, and it was it was very specific about their judgment. Now, but here's the problem, or here's the point of this, is that when Jesus goes to the cross, he takes on the wrath of God so that judgment is no longer taken out on countries, per se, and, and because Jesus took it on, and people from all different tribes and all different nations <clears throat> are experiencing the forgiveness of God. So where does God's wrath fall into that? Well, this is sort of why it was important to really preach through Revelation, and specifically Revelation chapter 6, um, because when you see all the bad things happening in our country today or in our world today, that's not the wrath of God. That's a consequence of sin. Remember, um, when Adam and Eve sin, sin is inherited. So what does sinners do? They sin, and the whole world is has been um, grieving since that sin and is longing for the restoration of all things. And so even weather events, um, that's not necessarily God's wrath, unless we're talking about specific wrath of the Lamb that comes upon the earth in Revelation, and then it is God's wrath. And then we're going to get into that why that's important here in a second. But I want to make it clear that um, when bad things happen, hurt people hurt people, that's a consequence of sin. 
when even natural disasters happen, that's a natural consequence of the fall, and God allows it to happen, but that's not God's wrath acting out on humanity. Does, does that make sense, Adrian? It does make sense. And does that? Do you have any like other questions to ask on that? Yes. So I think for me, I was really encouraged that your your personal opinion of the rapture is that we as Christians will be raptured out before the time of the tribulation, before the wrath of God and the permissive will that he would have of the, what's it called, the evil person? The sinners, you mean? No, no. The, um, the wicked people? No, the, <laughs> the person that's supposed to reign in Antichrist. the tribu- Antichrist. Okay, right. So that the time of the Antichrist that we would not be here for that, that that would be a right. part that the Christians would be at it because it's becoming kind of trendy and, and several of the theological people I listen to that they believe Christians will be. And so I was I was really encouraged that you don't, but I also was kind of curious, wh- how are you so confident in your opinion that we, that Christians will be raptured away for that tribulation period? Okay, so there's really only one verse, meaning there's a lot of verses that once you have this one verse sort of fall in line with it, but there's really only one verse that really points specifically to the rapture that we're talking about, and it's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. And the reason why this becomes important is because I can't see how you could are, interpret this any differently than a rapture-type experience uh, when the restrainer of evil uh, would be uh, taken out of the world, when the Holy Spirit leaves the world. And so th- let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter Four, and let's look at verses sixteen through eighteen. All right, so let's take a look at that. It is uh, second, or sorry, First Thessalonians four sixteen through eighteen. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, listen to this: we who are still alive and are left will be caught up, and that's where the word. Uh, rapture, it's like a rapeo, uh, comes from, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, where? In the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then verse verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. So the problem that the Thessalonians uh, had was that they thought that the that Jesus had already returned. And he said, listen, it's don't worry, you haven't missed Jesus returning. In fact, you're not going to have to worry about missing it. When Jesus comes, you are going to be lifted up to him in the air. And so this is the part where some would say, well, it's just dead people. No, no, it's not just dead people, like people who pass away. It's verse 17. After that, we who are still alive. So Paul, at this contemporary time, looking forward to when the rapture would happen, was thinking that he would be caught up in the air to meet Jesus. Well, it didn't happen in his lifetime. But that was clearly the imminency that he had is that Jesus' return would happen at any moment. And then at some point after that rapture, the tribulation would start. And that was where Revelation chapter 4 happens, where the throne room of heaven and the worship scene unfolds. And then chapter 5, where uh, the question is, who is worthy to open up the scroll? The Lamb of God appears. He's open to. He's worthy to open up the seal. And then the deed of earth is given to uh, Jesus, and he opens up uh, the seal, the, the scroll with the seals. So that's that verse. So does that clarify it for you, Adrian, on, on that one? 
Yeah, so it does seem pretty clear in the scripture that Christians will be raptured before this tribulation. So why do you think it's become so trendy lately to ha- not have that opinion? It's not like these it's not like these Christians I'm listening to are trying to be heretical. No, no. And, and remember, this is a... Um, okay, for most of... When people read Revelation, they just read it symbolically, and they didn't really give any credence to a lot of it. Uh, and so as a Bible literalist, as someone who reads the Bible for what it says... Now, granted, there's different types of Bible forms, or different genres. There, There is prophetic literature, which is speaks in dramatic fashion so that things mean different things. For example, the white horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse, uh, that isn't actual necessarily horses uh, coming out of heaven, but it represents, you know, the white horse represents victory, a victorious, peaceful horse who, who rides in and establishes peace over all the world. The red horse is all about war. That means it wasn't like one horse riding around starting wars all over the place. It's symbolic. So that part is symbolic, but it has direct meaning and specific uh, things it's symbolizing for real events at that specific time. And so that's why we don't just read the book of Revelation as just some sort of pro- prophetic drama that unfolds, but real history that's futuristic. So so if, it depends on how you interpret the Bible, that the way you view that. And Matthew, for example, 24, doesn't really get into a rapture per se. It just talks about the events following the rapture. Uh, and that's why when you look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, it gets difficult to say, what that means, especially for the longest time, you've always been reading Matthew 24 in light of that every Christian goes through a horrific time. But here's where I, I want to take you to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where it talks about the man of lawlessness. Now, Daniel predicts that the man of lawlessness will show himself to be who he really is as the Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years into his reign. And there's going to be probably that time of peace and time of war. We'll hit that. But in, somewhere in there, he'll stand in the middle of the temple and declare himself to be God and de- demand the world worship him. Okay. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about that. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarm, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in this time, for the mystery of lawlessness already worked. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And the, then the lawlessness, lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Okay, here, you're like, well, that sounds like that there's going to be this big battle between Jesus and um, and the Antichrist, and it looks like the Antichrist could do some destructive word against Christians. Well, the reason why I say no, the restraining one is the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit live? <laughs> He doesn't live in buildings. And I know that you're like, well, duh. Sometimes we feel like that because we'll we'll be at a worship service and we'll go like, man, I just felt like the Spirit was really there. As if the Spirit was occupying a building space. No, the Holy Spirit occupies people. The Holy Spirit occupies people. And so when you 
when you get a bunch of Christians together in a small room and you can feel the power of the Spirit, uh, that is, in a sense, what you're feeling or sensing is like the Holy Spirit in people. Okay, so uh, that's whenever the Holy Spirit is removed, that is what's going to allow um, the man of lawlessness to start his work. And then also, the Lord Jesus Christ is sending out his wrath. Would he send out his wrath? You might be with me on uh, that the restrainer. There's some people who believe in mid-tribulation that the Holy Spirit doesn't show up till just before uh, the Antichrist reveals himself to be who he is when he stands in the middle of the temple and demands to be worshipped. Um, <clears throat> but that that's not it, it either. But rather, it, the, the Holy Spirit take, is taken out of the world first. Then a false security, a false peace, which is not from the Holy Spirit, is brought forth as a part of judgment that all people are uniting themselves under the the concept of peace. And so you may have many leaders coming together and eventually under the, the power of the Antichrist. Um, but that's the first, the white horse. Then the red horse brings war. Then the black horse brings famine and the pale horse brings death and hell is coming with him. In the middle of that is the Antichrist revealing himself. Is that helpful when I talk about that? It is. It is helpful. And it makes me feel fairly confident that there's enough biblical evidence to support that theory. And it makes me feel, I, I like, I personally just like to think that we will get to miss out on that very challenging time here on earth. And it makes me feel that that's not, a lot of people I think feel that that's possibly the time that we're living in right now and it's and it's just not it's just not uh, but here's also here's the the critique uh or the the reason why people can get really upset about people believe in the rapture because they would say it's like listen it's kind of like letting the tailgate or, or like having somebody sit against the tailgate it's not safe in a you know a pickup truck to be driving around in the pickup truck you might as well just put the tailgate down, have him sit as close to the cab as possible, because why would you want to, you know, Christians running around not living for Jesus um, when they don't realize they could be susceptible to the wrath of the Lamb? And I'm like, does that sound like God? Does no. that sound? Here's a question that that Jesus asked Peter. Do you remember when um, you know some scribes or Pharisees they came up to Peter and like, hey, does your teacher pay the temple tax? He's like, yeah, of course he does. And then later Jesus comes up to Peter. He's like, hey, look, Peter, does the son pay, does the, does the son of the king pay taxes? And he's like, no, he's exempt. He says, exactly. But so that you won't offend the people and you've already told them I will pay it, go, go fishing, pull up the fish, and in that you'll find a drachma, pay the tax for you and for me. What, what I loved about that is it's like, if you are part of the family of God, you are not going to receive the wrath of God. Now, but what about those who are martyred for their faith in Christ? Well, yes. If you're martyred on this side of, of the tribulation and the rapture, uh, then that means that that's a consequence of sin, of living in a fallen world, and the the power of the one who's working in the air, and that's that Satan is always behind all that, but that's a consequence of sin, and that we have sinful people who don't understand God's love and grace. But after the rapture, after God has redeemed uh, those who were saved, there are going to be those who are martyred and who are going to experience the wrath of the Lamb. But 
Here's my thought on that, is they come to faith because of the wrath of the Lamb, not in spite of the wrath of the Lamb. And so the wrath of the Lamb is actually a part of God's love. Because here, and I know this is where, this probably gets redundant, but if you see a car coming, my son is running into the street, I'm going to jerk my son out of the street, and I might even scare him a little bit, because I had to yell at him, because I'm like, stop, 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 don't run into the street, stop, and I pull him out of the street. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, and it makes sense that... God, his character is consistent with the rapture being being first, which I love that. Okay, so uh, hopefully that, that wraps it up. And I, I would love for you guys to ha- ask more questions on this because I feel like this is one that goes back and forth. Now, that, that doesn't mean if you don't believe in the rapture uh, that you're not a Christian, uh, but it, I just think that this is the best way and this makes the most sense to me uh, as I read it. And I interpret God's word. So thanks for the question. And we'll see you next time.